Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 171. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Uh, very, very sore. Very sore. In the process of moving, huh? Yeah. Good times. <laughs> My favorite thing to do. Did you get all your stuff moved in, or are you still in the process? Still in the process. That's fun. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. I, I yeah. Well, I, I I do know. Moving is a nightmare, especially when you live in a fifth floor walk up. Uh, <laughs> this week we'll be reviewing David Gordon Green's latest Manglehorn, starring Al Pacino, and we'll also be going over this year's our mid-year top tens. Oh so boy. we're going to be counting counting down our top ten movies of the year so far. Of course, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions. New on Video On Demand, DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, we're going to do some uh, what we've been watching, too. Oh going to throw that in there. Oh, my goodness. Because since we, especially since we missed last week, we've got a lot to catch up on. Ooh. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. And uh, be sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Uh, let's go ahead and just, uh, let, let's hop into Manglehorn. Let's just... Let's do it. Jump jump into some, man- let's, let's mangle some horns. Let's do it. Let's mangle those horns all up. Every time I hear the name Manglehorn or the word Manglehorn, I think of a mountain. Think of a mountain? Mm-hmm. Mount Manglehorn? Yeah. Like, I don't think... Is that what you're thinking think of? of- I don't think of a name. I think of Manglehorn the Mountain. <laughs> oh, God. Manglehorn the Mountain. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of. You're ridiculous. So, again, this is directed by David Gordon Green. Stars Al Pacino, Holly Hunter. Harmony Corinne's in there. He is. He plays Gary. He does play Gary. <laughs> Uh, I have a synopsis here. Left heartbroken by the woman he loved and lost many years ago, Manglehorn, an eccentric small-town locksmith, tries to start his life over again with the help of a new friend. <sighs> All right. Kevin, what do you think of Manglehorn? <laughs> I can, I can kind of guess what you thought, just from that exasperated sigh there. Um, yeah, pr- pretty much. This is a peculiar film. It is. It is a little Peculiar. Odd. Uh... I don't know what the hell I watched, to be honest. I mean, I slightly enjoyed myself during during the time, but it kind of felt like I'm I don't know if your grandpa was like this or not, but it was like hearing a ridiculous story that makes no sense from my grandpa and just sitting yeah, there. Sort of. And my grandpa was a locksmith, so Really? Well, he yeah, after he retired, he Decided he wanted to <laughs> he just dabbled in locksmithing. Yeah, yeah. He worked at Clippers, Clippers Key Shop. Fantastic. It was just like something that he he wanted to do. Like he he wanted to pick up a hobby, so he started working part time at Clippers Key Shop. So there yeah, I know. mean, I could definitely. So it's, did this movie speak to you? Not really, actually. <laughs> uh the Manglehorn is not like my, my grandpa at all. My my grandpa was he was like kind and nice and thoughtful and uh, really nothing like. But he wasn't a crazy this cat, guy. man. No, mm. he they, they my grandparents did get a cat later on. So I, this movie's about know, your grandpa. I, I, 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just seeing the parallels here. Like I'm I'm just discovering these parallels. So this is this is something I need to ponder on a little bit more. Uh, I thought the I mean the, the performances were fine. I enjoyed Pacino just being odd and eccentric. I, I, I think that this is Pacino's best work that he's done for probably many years. Yeah, I think I would agree. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Pacino's recent work, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I enjoyed uh, Harmony Corinne's character, Gary. He was, <laughs> he was, he was an odd man. Coach! <laughs> so, so much... But the I there was a couple of times in this movie where I just there's just so much going on. There's so many overlays and dissolves, and there's so many people talking at once, mm-hmm. and it was just a nightmare. If I just yeah, couldn't figure out what the fuck was happening. Yeah, he employs this technique where it's like two things happening at once. So there'll there'll be two characters talking kind of at the same time and he'll overlay both scenes on top of each other it's just it was and it the and of course i'm sure you can guess as soon as the voiceover letter writing popped up it's just you know oh jesus we had to sit through this the letters that that yeah yeah uh, that that started pretty early on (laughs) and it continued throughout the film that was the thing i was a little meh on this movie um there, there were certain things about it that I that I liked. I liked the just the odd little things mm-hmm. with it that that didn't necessarily pertain to the story in any way and made really n- no sense whatsoever. I actually I liked most of that stuff. All that stuff was uh, fine. S- some of it felt a little a little heavy handed. Like s- some of it felt like like David Gordon Green was just trying to be artsy, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, it for me it kind of worked. the The watermelon car crash. Oh, that was like fantastic! That, that worked for me. I thought that that was the best shot in the movie. But a lot of the stuff with Manglehorn himself, I was like, "What? What's? Just get over it. Just get <laughs> over it." You know, he's this curmudgeony old guy who's seems to be desperately lonely. He only has his cat. And I don't know if we're supposed to feel bad for him, but I don't because he has friends all around him. He has a woman who looks to be at least 10 years his junior who is into him. Yeah. You know, he's got, he, he has a circle of friends. He's got the the lodge or whatever that he goes to with their pancake breakfast. Pancake jamboree. People, people all around him like him. And yet he's so lonely and miserable. I just, several times throughout the movie, I was just like, get over it. Just, you know? Well, yeah, I can see where you come from. And I just, the everything regarding his long-lost love, Clara, and the letter yeah, writing that, and all that, and like, none of that worked for me. I just That I didn't, didn't work for me, and the, the his relationship with the son was, that didn't really work for me either, because I felt like... If you're gonna get into that, then you need to get into a little bit more than you than they did, because they just—I feel like they barely scratched the surface with, yeah, the, it's, the dynamic between him and his son. And that felt extremely forced, it's, especially when he shows up later at Manglehorn's house. Yeah, yeah. And of course he's in trouble, and but right, uh, right. 
I did. I mean, the first interaction was great because I got to see Pacino holding a stuffed lion mm-hmm. that he said mm-hmm. was an elephant. So you got that. <laughs> I I I think the thing I liked the most was his relationship with Holly Hunter. I I liked I liked where that went. I liked that kind of romance, but it was like not a romance, and he seemed to be oblivious that she was into him. Well, it, yeah, which was it, it was very interesting because the the entire beginning portion of that relationship, you're thinking that man, he's really into her. Like he he will only go to her at the bank, so much so that mm-hmm. he'll let people in front of him until her spot opens up. Right, and that's what you're thinking the whole time, and then they finally go on a date, and it just gets very bizarrely awkward and just awful, just extremely uncomfortable. And then you're yeah, right it's... because then it's like all of a sudden he's oblivious to it, and it's like, wait, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I I thought for sure that he knew what was happening here so that felt he was just really he was just really interested in her dog i guess he was he was there for the dog he's just trying to be a friendly guy uh the other scene that i liked a lot was the cat surgery i thought that that they did that really well how there was that was an instance where there were kind of two things happening at once yeah and i thought that the back and forth with the cat surgery i i don't know that worked for me there's the, there's a bunch I like, of like, I like how they did that. Just a, a little odd things that the the guy showing up at the bank singing, mm-hmm. and then the other bank like teller. That. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. Those little small moments were nice. <clears throat> the the I, scene with Har- the scene with Harmony Corinne, the tan man. <laughs> tan man. That that whole scene was really odd. That it felt like it felt like David Gordon Green went up to Harmony Corinne and said, "You know what?" You can direct this scene. Just, you can handle all of the scenes with you in them. Because it felt almost like a completely different movie. Well, yeah. And then you have all the neon going on, too. And it, yeah. it, it looks as though he was channeling Corinne. Yeah, because you had random... Like the, the bunny... The giant bunny mask head thing in the background. and With the guy with uh, no just pants Just all on. that weird... Yeah. Just the, all that really weird shit that was happening in the, in that tanning salon my i mean my favorite part of the entire movie was gary recounting the story of coach who is manglehorn just the the lightning striking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just has the little ball of fire in his hand and blows happy, his birthday. happy birthday <laughs> and it just seems like he was you know harmony Korean. just be as crazy as you can be just be nick cage because I can't get Nick Cage for this. Also, one of the things that I just liked for some reason was the fact that he had a giant bee's nest under his mailbox, and he didn't bother doing anything about it. Mm-mm. And he just dealt with it. <laughs> just lived with it, man. But yeah, all those, all the odd stuff, I enjoyed. It was just the, the thing with his son, with Chris Messina... That felt forced, and then everything with the whole his long lost love, Clara, with the letter, all that stuff. Just if you take all that out, which and just make this a really peculiar film, I'm in. Yeah, but see, that's that's not what it is, though, and that's the problem I had with it. So much of the movie is based around him and that long lost love. Oh no! I mean, you got to hear that voiceover letter writing bullshit. Just. 
basically the way he is is because of that but one it, thing that happened. And then you never really get into that though either. I mean, no, we you never find out. That's, you never find out what's going on. We just scratch the surface on that as well. I mean, there's more. There's more delving into mimes than there is anything else in this movie. Yeah, there is a lot of mime talk in this, and mimes show up more than once. <laughs> I did love the ending with the mime. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that was, was that uh, was fantastic. Kind of a surprising little thing uh, note to end on. Yeah, I just I really enjoyed that. It's just it's an, a, uh, it's such an upbeat ending. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird movie. It's just I don't I don't know what to think about it. I thought that that Pacino was f- his character not like his performance but his his character was just so flat at times but I don't know David Gordon Green he's a really interesting director I, I never know you never know what you're gonna get with this guy and I remember back when George Washington came out on Criterion and there was that interview with him I think it was a Charlie Rose interview or something where he said like he wants to do all these different types of movies and he never wants to make like the same style well, he's pretty much doing that and i think he's pretty much doing that i mean you, yeah, well these last couple of movies seem to be going back a little bit to his his old style <clears throat> he's kind of channeling the, the the malik impersonator that he was when he well got i think start. that i think that joe definitely does that but this one, not as much. No, I mean, there's little bits of it here and there. His little montage overlapping thing. But he goes crazy with it in this movie. You know, and Joe is much more restrained. It's just, you know, it would always be like just a montage of like establishing shots, you know, of nature and everything while someone did a voiceover like Malik. But this, mm-hmm. he just layers it all on top of itself, which was interesting. It was interesting. But at the same time, it was kind of like sensory overload. Some scenes I thought worked better than others. I also he goes to the club with Gary, which I quite enjoyed. And then later on, how he's talking about him and Gary have the same taste in music, Mm -hmm. which, and then how he just like him just sitting in the tree with a cat. Yeah, I yeah more of that. Just sad sack Pacino sitting in a tree with a white cat. Why not? Let's get more of that, please. Let's let's go for it. And then stu- stumbling upon some some hip hop dancing. Yeah, that was a that was an odd little scene. It's nothing but odd little scenes. Watermelon car crash though that that'll get you. That's a good one. Yeah, that was. I think that that was the best. That was fantastic. I can get why a lot of people are not into this movie though. Um I can see why you would not be on board with the watermelon car crash and a lot of the other odd scenes. I can see it, but <clears throat> again, I you know I enjoyed myself for the most part. I'm not gonna really remember much from this. Ex- right, except, same here. I just yeah, except the happy birthday story and the watermelon car notice, crash. That's about it. I did notice one thing on one of the posters for this. It's he's holding a gun. Okay. Yeah, what? I. Am I missing something? Well, he just he just shot that bottle once. That was it, really. Yeah, but why? I have a feeling what? that that this movie was different when it played festivals. Is my guess. There had to be more to this. 
that got cut out. It could be. Because there's a couple of, I don't know, I forget, I'm trying to find them, but there was a synopsis somewhere that, like, talked about his dark past and stuff. Hmm. It's like, uh, which, what are you talking about? Yeah, it says here, a strange and lonely man tries to come to terms with a past crime that cost him the love of his life. Did we, I, did I miss something? Apparently did, did we, we, do we know what that is? No, I don't. Unless we both missed it. And the only other, the only thing that I can remember that even recalls his past is that letter in the safe at the end. Yeah. Towards the end. That's the only, and that, and that, in that letter, it doesn't say anything about it. I don't know. See, that could change the whole, uh, the whole, everything about the movie, really. Yeah. Because if he, because that, the letters that he's writing, if he murdered her for instance <laughs> that could change the whole dynamic of the movie uh, or if like he was driving a car or something and they were in a car accident and she died or something like that yeah i know i don't know just i i would like i'm i'm like a very light recommend on this one just to just to see some peculiar stuff yeah i'm gonna give it a uh, a very light recommend too. What are you gonna give this out of ten? I'm gonna give this like a six. I'm gonna give it a five and a half out of ten. So, Manglehorn is playing now in select cities and on VOD, so you can check it out if you'd like. Let's uh, talk about some mid-year top tens. Now we're gonna post these up on the site later this week, so you'll be able to uh, check them out there. And I'll probably go ahead and just throw them in the show notes as well so you can recall them if you follow either of us on letterbox we both keep yeah you're running already, you already know yeah we already we both keep running lists of our top movies of the year now i don't know if you if yours is the same but with mine um i don't order my list a lot i don't i don't revise it a lot i the only my top 10 is pretty much locked but everything below that uh, could get switched around pretty regularly. So yeah. Uh, yeah, easily. Just keep that in mind. If you look at my list right now, um, Inside Out, I believe, is at the bottom. <laughs> so What? I just don't... <laughs> Worst, when of I first, Worst of the year. Worst of the year for Adam. <laughs> when I first add movies... You just see, if I, don't, if I don't add it, when I add it on Letterboxd, I immediately add it to my 2015 list. Yeah. But a lot of times I don't have the time to reorder it and put it in the right spot. So I just add it on the list and then edit it later. Gotcha. Because I will definitely forget to add it to my list if I don't do it right away. Understandable. I gotcha. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll start with number 10, obviously. We'll start with the bottom. Let's start with number seven and work our Well, way I was now. deciding if we wanted to go in reverse order or what. What do you have for your... What's your number 10 movie of the year so far? My number 10 movie of the year so far could be really anything. Just about... I got about six movies. All right, we'll just go ahead and... Li- what, are, what are they? I, what I, are could, so I could go La Sapienza, which is currently at my 10. But it could easily be uh, switched out for either Backcountry... Spring, faults, appropriate behavior, or the Duke of Burgundy. Okay, I could go with the, any of those at ten. 
Those are all solid. Uh, I could do the same thing, really. Right now, spring is my number 10, uh, but I also could switch that out with It Follows, Wild Tales, Ex Machina, White God, or even Wild Canaries. Ooh, all right. So th- those uh, those are the ones that just kind of just didn't quite make it into that number 10 spot. And by the end of the year... Who knows? One of those could be number 10. Yeah. Pretty much any time I look at this list, that number 10 could change. I want to say real quick, we're only halfway through the year, and I'm looking at my top movies, and I'm comparing it with last year, and for me, this year blew away last year already. Oh, yeah? And we're only halfway through. Yeah, I saw some movies that I absolutely loved this year. Yeah, and then I, I still, there's still ones that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. They would probably make it on my list. Like Ex Machina. Dope, probably. Maybe. Who knows? We'll come back to that. Mommy. Heaven knows what. Yeah, you know, there's so many things that I haven't seen yet. It's mm-hmm. not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Well, life's not fair, Kevin. Nah, that's it. true. What do you have for number nine? Number nine, I have Buzzard. That's, Get that that's Buzzard. Uh, r- Buzzard is number 20 on my list. I have What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. That's a good one. That's all Very good. I th- is that on Netflix now? I feel like I saw that somewhere. I think you might be right. I think that might be playing instant now. Well, what we it's it's definitely out on VOD, I'm sure. So if you haven't seen that yet, it's it's hilarious and wonderful. And Buzzard, I think, is also out. I know I saw that on Amazon Instant Video, so you, I'd recommend checking that one out too. What do you have for number eight? Number eight. I have reality, Dupia. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I was I I quite enjoyed that one. That's number twenty-seven on my list. That's that's different. That I'm higher on a Dupia than you are. I uh, yeah. It's usually it really the is. other way around. But that I one, liked it. That one just really worked for me. That's what I've been I, wanting from Dupio this entire time, and he finally delivered. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I just it didn't hit my top ten or anything. Uh, for number eight, I have the Duke of Burgundy. Okay. I just all right, all right. That was a fairly early one this year, and I just for some reason that one just Stick. hit all the right. It's sticking with you. Yeah, it just it, it hit all the right buttons for me. I love the style of this movie. I just I love the look. That's solid. I want to see it again, actually. You probably should. It's a little disturbing, so it's yeah, uh, you know, it's a difficult watch. What do you have for number seven? Number seven, I have that sweet, sweet blood of Jesus. Oh, that wow. sweet, sweet blood of Jesus. Yeah, see, now this is one that definitely... They were way, were way off on with each yeah, other? Yeah, this one just didn't work for me. I don't even see it on my list. You probably forgot that. It's bad. on here somewhere, but I don't know. Well, you know what? You can go fuck yourself. Actually, it's number fifty. sweet, sweet blood at seven. <laughs> this one's at 59 on my <laughs> list. At how many? Uh, right now, 101. Goodness. I didn't hate it. Ooh. It's just, eh. I thought it looked central, like crap. And central berry eating, though. Kidding me? Yeah. There was that that happened. I don't know how you can hate on that. It was okay. It was okay. My number seven is dope. Oh, good for you. Good for you, Adam. Well, it's playing nationwide right now, Kevin, so you have no excuse. I, I'm a busy, busy man, and I don't have time to see dope. 
Okay. Well, I would suggest going to see it as soon as you can, because I don't think you'll like it as much as me, but I think you'll like it. Oh, why's that? Since you know me it's so a, well, Adam. It, it's a it's a coming of age story. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see why you would think that then. But it's got that Ooh. '90s hip hop in it, right? Yeah, I'm gonna talk a, a little bit more about it when we do. A, oh, we get our, it. Okay. been watching. All right. So, what do you have for number six? What we do in the shadows. Nice. Got that higher. Nice. I just that it's just so much fun. For a long time, that was higher on my list. That was like number five or something on my list for quite a while. It, it, and do you have this? I have this problem. I wonder if you do. The movies that come out towards the beginning of the year, they kind of. Do you tend they to push them pushed. down a little bit? They get you pushed. Yeah. You know, they're not in the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. So you seem to, you know, you tend to tend to rate movies that you just saw that are fresh in your mind a little bit higher. Yeah, definitely. It's that diff- definitely happens. It's difficult. I think that happens. I mean, there's a reason that they put all the Oscar hopefuls in November yeah. and December. You know, that it's there's a reason for that. It's because people just forget. They forget about the early ones. Mm. But uh, number six, I have Girlhood. Okay. Right. I was a huge fan of Girlhood. I thought it was one it was it was wonderful. It's just great. I have that at great coming <laughs> of age story. I have that at eighteen. Just missed. Just missed. You're all about your yeah. coming of age. It seems like I am. It just it's it yeah, it is kinda odd because they're they're on your they're ranked high, but I seem to remember every time you you know, it seems like you're kinda getting uh worn out. I'm yeah. a little fatigued with the coming of age stuff, yeah. Seems like you just want to grow up all over again. When when you see dope, though, I, I call dope a coming of age story, and it sort of is, but it's not your typical coming of age story. Gotcha. It's I mean it's a comedy first of all, so it has that going for it right out of the gate. Anyway, what's your number five? My number five is a documentary approaching the elephant from Amanda Wilder, which is available on Netflix that. Instant. So, I think Girlhood's also available. I didn't you are correct. That. You are correct. They are both available. And that's that's the documentary about the schools, right? Yeah, the free the, the school. free school that they're trying to run mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Oh boy, it's uh, it's a very interesting watch. I'm gonna have to check that out since it's so high on your list. Fantastic editing as well. My number five is also a documentary, and that's the Wolf Pack. Oh, we all about documentaries on number fives. Yeah. Oh shit. Last year no documentary made it to my top 10 and i'm fairly certain that this year the wolf pack will that's gonna stay it'll stay on my top 10 i don't i don't know if it'll stay at five but it'll definitely remain on the list because i just i love that movie it's really really good gotcha that's playing in limited release right now that's another one that i haven't seen that i would like to see that might make i'm sure who knows I don't know. I don't know if that'll make your... You can't predict these things. I I think you'll like it, but I don't know if it's going to make your list. I don't know. All right. I'll be anxious to find out. What's your number four? My number four is Sabbatical from Brandon Colvin. Interesting. With some Robert Longstreet going on. That one was just a little too dry for me. A little too slow. I think it might... For me, it might actually be like a... It's like a tied for three type deal. We got a tie at number three. An indie tie. Wow. Yeah. Sabbatical's 53 on my list. 53? You son of a bitch. It, these, all the ones in the middle, though, could easily be shifted around. 
they're all like do you have like 49 movies that are tied for 15 yeah i mean I, like i can go through and change these up i hear you the the middle the middle numbers are just kind of arbitrary at this point i hear you which the sabbaticals well, on vimeo get that things only like three bucks. i still recommend it i like i liked it you can go back and listen to our review of it it's a good one it's a good one it's my one of my favorites of the year so far i have heaven knows what this is my number four see another one that i haven't seen just rub it this in my a... face now this is the only reason you, you did this this <laughs> going over the top 10 you just wanted to rub movies <laughs> in my face i can feel it no Ulterior it's just motives. turning out that way it's just, <laughs> it's just it's like a happy surprise it's just turning out that way oh god heaven knows what true story of a homeless drug addict living in new york this one is in limited release right now i highly 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 recommend seeing it i know that right now it is difficult to see it but i imagine that it'll be available on vod at some point relatively soon so check that out Heaven Knows What is the name. Make sure you add it to your watch list. What's your number three? Oh, man. My number three is Wild Canaries. Nice, nice. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Wild that, Canaries. Yeah, I, I just, was... I had so much fun with Wild Canaries. I I don't know. There's so many times that I want to watch that movie just throughout the year. I've probably wanted to watch it like 12, 14 times. Great movie. It is. No, com- no complaints there. My number three is The Tribe. Dick. One of my highest, highest reviewed movies of the year so far. It's wow, nothing you're, like it. There's just nothing like it. I, you're just enjoying yourself, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. take taking it all in. With that said, let's move on to number two. What's your number two? My number two is Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. My number Get two that. is Mommy. Xavier Dolan. You can see Mommy whenever you want. That's on Netflix. I know. I know. I just Xavier Dolan for me is one of those directors that I'm just never in the mood. I enjoy his films. I love his films. I've never been disappointed. I'm just never in the mood for them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. We talked to Yeah, we talked about this before on the show. With his movies, they are when they're long, you know. I yeah. saw this in the theater and I didn't before going into it, I didn't realize the runtime, and I, mean, I was feeling it by the end of the movie. It's it's a long ass movie, and a lot happens, but it is absolutely worth seeing in one of my top movies of the year. I want to see it again. I want to see it one more time before the end of the year to make sure that it stays maybe in the I'll, top I'll, spot. But maybe I'll give you a heads up when I watch it, and then we can discuss it in tandem. Yeah. A tandem yeah, discussion yeah. of mommy. Yeah, we can do that. We can totally do What's that. What's your number one? My number one is hard to be a god, which is going to stay there forever. It's not moving. Okay? I don't think <laughs> I there's ever going to be... There's, not, there's nothing. Okay? There's nothing that's going to take hard to be a god from the top spot. I'm just saying it now. And I knew that going <laughs> straight at the beginning of 2015. I was like, well, this is staying at number one for the entire year. Hmm. Interesting. That's number 39 on my list. You're a son of a bitch. Eh, I I don't know what to say about that movie. That it's, it looks good. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's cinema gold, as I, th- I think is what you want to say. Am I correct? Uh, I would call that movie, I would call it inaccessible. 
Okay. Maybe that that would be a good descriptor gotcha. for that. I would agree. Movie. I would agree. It's too long. Unbelievable. I think I would have liked it a lot more if it was at least 30 minutes shorter. Gotcha. It's just too you long. Just, you just can't take that much cinematic greatness, is what you're saying. There's <laughs> just too sure. much. There's too much perfection. Sure. sure. Too much we'll, perfection. We'll say that. All at once. It, how, is this available anywhere? Hard to be good? Uh, it's out now. Um, I want to say, I know the UK has it out now on Arrow. Arrow put it out. Oh, interesting. I don't know if they have a, a U.S. version of it. I'm not sure. But just import it. Looks like June 30th it's going to oh, be out man. on Blu-ray. Oh, man. Get ready. June 30th yes. is going to be the shit. Yeah, so you can get it on June 30th. Hard to be a god is the name of that one. And one thing I'll say about it is you won't see anything else like it. Mm-mm. Definitely a unique movie. My number one is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh boy! Yeah, I, ha- I had to. I had to do it. I just. I loved it so much. Just a big fan. Yeah, that was like near perfection for me. Pretty damn close. I'll agree. It is uh, so high octane. High octane action film. I had. Uh, I had a few kind of honorable mentions. I guess faults. 52 Tuesdays. 52 that was that's a good one. That's close. The overnight, the overnight which is coming out I think this this week or next week. The one with Jason Schwartzman, Adam Scott. Yeah. Recommend that one. Let's a lot of docs. I saw a lot of docs this year that that didn't quite make the list like The Jinx and The Hunting Ground. Okay. Going yeah. clear. Giuseppe makes a movie. Quick question for you since we did the top 10 so far this year. What's what's your What's your bottom one? What's, oh, bottom? Just a, like a couple, maybe like two or three. What do you got? Uh, I have, um, right now, the, the worst movie of besides, the year. Besides Inside Out. What are your other two? I, actually, I just looked, and I, I'm looking at my list. I did move it up on my list. So I'm, I must have went in and rearranged some things last night. Um, bottom of my list, I have Muck. It's a, it's a horror Really yeah. crappy horror film. I have Crazy Bitches, another crappy horror film. They're all crappy horror films. Ghoul, Obviously. Anarchy Parlor, The Cobbler. That's not a crappy horror film. It's just a crappy regular film. Which that is on Netflix instant, by the way. If you want to catch up on the on some cobbling. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's all crappy horror films for the most part. That Enter the Dangerous Mind is... See that? Yeah, that's what I low. have. That I have that as that's, my worst film of the year so far. That's a ninety-three. Oof, oof. A loft, a loft is really low. Yeah, ninety-one. I have a loft. Pretty. It's in like the bottom seven. All the wilderness. Yeah, that's in the. That's down there. And cut bank. That's down there as well. <laughs> I agree with all those. The only other two that I have that are down there: are, uh, Lost River, and uh, that the that Goslin joint. And uh, adult beginners. Do I even have? I, I don't. I don't know if I added uh, Lost River to my list. Well, just plop it down there at the bottom. Holy crap! See, this is this is why we do this. Man, this is why I need to add them right away. I know. Because then I forget. You're slipping. What was the What was the second one you mentioned? Adult beginners. Oh, that's on. That's 
towards the bottom of my list, but it's like it's not that low. I could understand because with that, because you, with that I mean, one, it was you like, definitely saw a lot more shit than I have. Oh yeah, yeah. Terrible, for, terrible, terrible things. Because for me, adult beginners was just it was completely middle of the road. Yeah, like, that's it wasn't, what it, that's it was one no, of those, it was nothing. That's one of those films that for you, I think it would just like slip by. Like you, at the end of the year, you're not going to remember that you saw adult beginners. Unless right. you see it in your list, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, well, so I don't remember exactly." That. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's like at 57. Again, these are all numbers that'll probably change by the end of the year. More than likely. A lot of horror. A lot of horror is on the second you half got, of my list. You get to watch all those wonderful indie horrors. Yep. Then I'm sure there's gonna be plenty more. Oh, plenty more. More on than there. likely. So we'll have all these. Uh, recapped on the website if you go to filmpulse.net and I'm also going to have lists from our other contributors like Ernie and Blake we'll, we'll have lists from everybody up probably rolling out this week so you can check those out oh yeah let's let's jump into some of what we've been watching Whew. Kevin we'll just we'll start off with you start off with me uh, I saw seven Chinese brothers I didn't. I I you didn't started get a this and oh, you got yeah. started it and you didn't get to finish. Okay. I started like, I mean, I was like one minute in before I turned it off because I realized that I was really tired, so I didn't want to. So what did risk you, falling asleep? What did you think of that one minute? What were your what were your initial so far? Thought? It was pretty good. Okay. Uh, all really, all that happened was they showed Jason Schwartzman and his dog, and that was that's a. <laughs> That was really it. I think uh, there was maybe one line of dialogue said. And my guess for you that that's enough. You get that dog in there. You're ready to go. You're <laughs> sold. Maybe. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, but, well, but I'm, probably. I'm here to tell you that it is. It's all right. You know. It's you know. It's occasionally funny. There's some. There's some humorous bits here and there. Schwartzman seems to play Schwartzman. Just a different shade of Schwartzman. Um, and it's just him kind of being, kind of being a, uh, like a goofball type, always joking around. He's never serious. And there's really no conflict in this movie to speak of. And mm. in a sense, there's really no point at the end of it. It's just kind of him working towards being a better person, which he kind of does at the end. And just a little bit. So. You know, it's just one of those films that I kind of enjoyed myself while I was watching it, but I'm not going to remember this. I barely remember it now. Hmm. But there's there's some uh, some funny cameos. Alex Ross Perry shows up and gets gets on Schwartzman's shit for throwing hats at cars, which is a fun exchange. And uh, nice. Chris Dobeck has a funny pops up and does some funny things. It's just a lot of people in this. There's a Michael Tully's in it. Um, Alex Karpovsky. Hmm. But uh, it's it's fluff. It's enjoyable fluff. Okay. And that's not out yet. I think that that's still running the festival circuit right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be running it for a while. So keep an eye out for that one. What's the name? Seven Chinese Brothers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep an eye out for that one. I, um, I hope to see that this week. I'm also going to be seeing the new Alex Ross Perry movie this week. Phew, God. I don't want to talk to you anymore. With Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, I don't. I'm I, actually, I really don't like you as a person anymore. I'm actually going to go see that tomorrow. <laughs> I, just, I just want to make that very clear. 
that you've changed since you've okay. been in New York. No, All right. I don't like it. Well, deal with it. Okay. Just deal with it. Uh, let's see. What did I see? Um, geez. I saw a lot of movies since we talked last. We'll start off with Jurassic World. Ooh. It's all Jurassic World. Ooh, how are them dinosaurs? It's very CG. Really? Very CG. So they don't look good? Almost entirely CG, actually. There's very, very few practical effects going on in that movie. Well, we just don't have the technology. I guess not. One of these I days. We just One of these days. Do it. We'll get animatronic dinosaurs. We're we're close. We're getting there. There's a there's some there's some animatronics at work. The really close up stuff. But overall, I actually like this quite a bit. Uh oh. I I had no desire to see this movie at all. I was not interested in it. Uh, the last Jurassic Park left a bad taste in my mouth and i i love jurassic park i'm a huge fan of the original i even liked the second one i thought the lost world was fine for what it was a serviceable sequel but so i had no expectations going into jurassic world and i think as such it it helped it, it definitely helped because i i was kind of feeling this movie it's it's really fun it it has the it kind of has the, the the same style as the original one. Like it kind of goes back to just a, a, a fun adventure almost, where there's these two. One of the, you know, there's multiple things happening all at once, just like all the other ones. But one of the one of the storylines is that there's these two brothers and they're kind of trapped out in the park oh, trying no. to get trying to get back and just that that whole thing there's this really awesome scene i'm sure you saw it in the trailer where they're in these kind of gyro ball things it's mm-hmm. like this glass ball and there's this really really great action sequence involving that and that's probably my favorite part of the movie but there were there were a few moments in this where i was i was like i was getting the feels you know i was, uh-huh. I was kind of i was reminiscing about my 12 year old self seeing the original Jurassic Park in the theater and it did kind of evoke those memories it wasn't great i mean it it wasn't amazing it is a a popcorn movie for sure yeah. and the end the end got a little bit ridiculous but i will say that it is it all works a lot better than the trailers make it out Gotcha. Now, which dinosaurs are better? The dinosaurs from this movie or the dinosaurs from The Tree of Life? <laughs> this movie. Let's do a dinosaur comparison. This movie. Okay. This movie. I mean, it looks it looks okay. It doesn't look bad, per se. It's just, I don't know, there's something... Maybe it's just how I'm remembering the original Jurassic Park. And maybe it's just how I felt when I first saw dinosaurs on screen. Yeah. But to me, the the dinosaurs in this one didn't look they didn't, that good. They didn't live up to the original. The way that they moved certainly looked good, especially the raptors. The way that the raptors would kind of run that looked pretty cool. Do any of the raptors and ride motorcycles like Chris Pratt? They don't ride the motorcycles, <sighs> but I mean, it'd be that'd be cool. But uh, I would like that. It wasn't. It wasn't quite as cheesy as I expected, especially the the raptor motorcycle raptor riding thing. 
it, it looks so ridiculous in the trailer, but in the movie, it just worked it, for you. It it works. Like it turns out that he's he's a trainer and he's been working with these specific raptors, working every day with them, training them, taming them. So he has a relationship with these raptors, and they look at him as kind of the alpha. So. It makes a little bit, a, a little bit more sense when you actually see it in the movie. I was gonna say because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But all right, all right. Uh, I mean, you can you can train animals, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any reason you wouldn't be able to train a raptor, especially if there's. Well, well, they establish in the first Jurassic Park how smart they are. So I would imagine that if they're that smart, you could train them. Perhaps. I like how we're arguing about whether or not you can train <laughs> Velociraptors. Either way, I still recommend seeing Jurassic World in the theater. It's it's a fun time. It's Don't expect greatness. Don't expect the first Jurassic Park by any means. <laughs> I, always, I always love that when we talk about a film and we got to, you know, put that. Well, little, there's always caveats. Yeah, that little don't expect, don't expect a good film and everything will be okay. You enjoy yourself. I think I was, it does help if if you go into Jurassic World with lower expectations because Ryan saw this and he went in with very high expectations and he was let down. Well, I don't know if Ryan, oh, he said he he said he he said he liked everything except the ending. So oh. anyway, that's Jurassic World playing now. Gotcha. I watched uh, a piece of '80s greatness, which is perfect for today, which is Father's Day, and that's over the top. Uh, Sly Stallone. I was going to try to watch this yesterday, but I didn't. Oh, my God. This is a perfect movie for Father's Day. Sly Sloan plays a deadbeat dad. Hasn't seen his kid in like 12 years or something like that because he's out on the road trucking because he's a serious truck driver. So the beginning of the movie is just him showing up to pick up his son because the son's mother is dying. So the mother, dying wish, wants these two to reconnect. So they're gonna he, he's going to pick him up in his truck. And take him to see his mom. It's going to take a couple of days to get there. And during that time, they're going to stop off and do some arm wrestling and shit. And he's going to teach them about life and all sorts of things and give them confidence. And just make up for like the last 10, 11, 12 years or whatever mm, that of course. he has yeah, been around. Of course. So uh, right off the bat, the kid's not into it, which makes sense. You haven't seen your dad in that much time. So there's a scene. They, they, they played up, you know. Stallone is driving his truck and he pulls in, he gets his truck taken care of, he's washing up, and it's intercut with the kid graduating from uh, like some sort of military school. And so it's long build up, and you got like Kenny Loggins playing the entire time, and you got all this footage of Stallone driving his truck. And it's just cut in between all that. And then he gets the kid, kid doesn't want to go with him. So they're driving down the highway, kid just gets out of the truck. And just runs across a busy highway to just try and run away from his dad. And <laughs> causes numerous accidents, almost dies a couple <laughs> times. And in all honesty, I thought if they if that kid would have got out and like made it to like lane three and gotten hit by like a station wagon and died, it would have been the greatest short film I've ever seen in my life. But he survives, he makes it and because he has to, because then you got to get to the arm wrestling shit, because arm wrestling stuff hasn't happened yet. So, for whatever reason, they bring arm wrestling into this movie, and it's it's serious. 
all everything that's happening in this movie is dead serious. Okay, so you have deadbeat dad, you have arm wrestling, <clears throat> you have custody battles, you have at one point the kid gets kidnapped for some reason. I'm not sure why, but there's a chase sequence with uh, Stallone's big rig. Plus, it gives him an excuse to punch a couple people in the face. I guess. Wait, hold hold on real quick. How old is this kid? This kid's like. I, I'm terrible with ages, but I'm going to guess like 13, 12, 13, 14. Okay. I have no idea. But he's a shit. He's a piece of shit. I don't like this kid. He's annoying as fuck. But so there's a sequence. And then, of course, the kid warms up to him in like a small amount of time because Stallone just has the charm. Plus the arm wrestling helps. I guess that's the way to get back into your kid's heart. And Stallone ends up going to jail because he drives a big rig through a guy's front door. There's just so much ridiculousness in this movie. So it's, there's a sequence where he's in jail and he's talking to his kid and he's just like, the kid's trying to decide if he wants to go with his dad or not and this and that. And, he, you know, he's telling him all these things like life doesn't meet you halfway and just this big talk and these musical cues and everything is emotional and it lasts a really long time and then the kid leaves <clears throat> and it's immediate cut to Stallone in his big rig and in... The driver's seat of his big rig, he has a, a late a weight lifting machine hooked up so he can blast his arms while he's driving, you know, to get himself ready for arm wrestling matches and shit. So it just immediately cuts to him doing that. So you have this big emotional sequence with his son and then immediate cut to him blasting his biceps in his big rig with his weight lifting apparatus that he has rigged up <laughs> on his and it's all serious. Like, you don't understand. It's all serious. It's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why they put these things together and thought that it would work. Because it doesn't. But, I mean, it's enjoyable. But it doesn't work. But it is fun to watch. I'll tell you that. I I do plan on... Maybe I'll try to watch that sometime this afternoon. Like, the end of the movie is him in Las Vegas doing... arm wrestling tournament and he's trying to win this truck and the money and everything and apparently in the 80s arm wrestling tournaments were fucking huge and they were on TV and stuff and it's just this bizarre the way that they shoot it the characters that he arm wrestles against are insane and a lot of times while they're arm wrestling they'll go into like super slow-mo and everything that they're screaming out you know is in that stretched out audio and everything just sounds awful and it's like a nightmare it's just, it's incredible it's incredible i can't wait to see that over the top canon films that's a canon release watch it with your dad today but yeah there it's, you go. it's gonna come out after father's day but whatever exactly you should have watched exactly. it with your dad yesterday you missed an <laughs> opportunity uh i saw a great documentary called welcome to leith now I knew nothing of this movie. I didn't know anything about it going into it. I didn't even, I didn't know it was a documentary. So first five, 10 minutes, I was like, oh great. Here we have another mockumentary found footage movie. I thought, I didn't think it was real. Okay. And for the first probably 15 or 20 minutes, I was trying to figure out if what I'm watching is real or not. Of course, I eventually figured out that it was in fact real. But it's about a a town called Leith in North Dakota, population twenty four residents. Okay. In this in this town, it's a three square mile town. 
you kind of wonder why it's a town. Yeah. Don't you? How how it even exists. Like, why not just make it a part of whatever town's beside it? Yeah. It, I think it's one of those deals where it pretty much is, but, you know, not... They won't give up on... Give up yeah, on... Yeah, they, they, they like their little town. Gotcha. They like their little... Their little... It's like a farming... It's kind of like a farming town. It's really interesting. It's a really interesting looking place. So what happens is uh, a, a a known white supremacist Nazi moves into town, starts buying up land. He starts buying parcels of land. Yeah. And what his goal is, is to basically take the town and move in all of his neo-Nazi... A brethren oh, okay and kind of create a white supremacist town and push all of the current residents out of the town and boy it is really fascinating <laughs> to see how this plays out this sounds very interesting yeah i didn't know that this was something that that happened but it's it's crazy it's it's a crazy little documentary it uh, it gets a little slow towards the end. It feels a little bit drawn out because something happens. I'm not going to say what in case any of you listening are not familiar with this story, but there's something that happens at one point in the documentary that kind of uh, grinds things to a halt a little bit. And after that, uh, the movie slows down quite significantly, but it's... Less it's it's only eighty five minutes long, so it's it's still worth checking out. Gotcha. I believe it premiered at Sundance this year. It's uh it's not out yet. Still playing the festival circuit. So if it is playing at a festival near you, I, I would check it out. It's called Welcome to Leith. L e i t h. I'm just imagine you like thirty minutes into the movie coming to the realization that it's real and being very vocal about it. It, it wasn't just like you going oh this is real life okay it was it was before that it was probably within the first 15 minutes because i didn't again i knew nothing about it i knew the title that's it like, i didn't i didn't look up i didn't look up a synopsis i didn't look up anything were you just like walking by and someone was like hey you want to see a movie and you're like ah sure and just dipped no, in they, no, they sent me a screener, so I watched it at home. Gotcha. Okay. And a lot of these screeners that we get sent, I'll just see them, you know, pop in my inbox, and I'll just see the date just, that it's screening, sorry. and I'll be like, okay, I'll watch it. You just fucking dive in. You don't even ask questions. Yeah, this one, this is quite good, though. I mean, when you see it, for the first ten minutes, it, it could easily be a mockumentary, because it just doesn't feel like this is something that could really happen. Gotcha. I think I even saw some somebody on Letterboxd that saw it that said that it felt like it could be a, a mockumentary. There's a lot of things in, that are going on right now that could be a mockumentary. Yeah, feel that when, way. When you if you if you check this out this year, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Gotcha. I I saw a movie that I know you saw because we saw it together, and that's a pigeon set on a branch reflecting on existence. Yeah, we did. We did see this. <laughs> Saw this together. We experienced it. We endured it together. We sure did. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't think either of us were really into it that much. Um, it's a bit long-winded. And 
it really just makes the same point over and over and over and over again. Um, it's occasionally funny. And when I say occasionally, there's like three things. Well, at the be, I, I see, we talked about this at the beginning. It starts off strong. I think it really does. Cause it's, it, it's really just a bunch of set pieces, little vignettes. And in the beginning of the film, it, they're short. And it's just mm-hmm. one beat after another. And you're just going. And they're all pretty humorous. And it's like, okay, I can I can settle into this. I can get on board with this. And then they just get longer and longer. And yeah. it, it just seems like Anderson is he's just perfecting lingering. Because these scenes just linger on for entirely too long. And it's essentially, they're all just saying the same thing over and over and over again. And just by the end of it, I just wanted it to end. And I wanted to move on with my life. My biggest struggle was staying awake yeah. in this movie. It It's a toughie to see in the theater and stay awake for. And it's not like it's super long either. It's less than two hours. Oh, it's only it, 100 minutes. It feels so long, though. But it, it feels... It just. You're just like, oh my god, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. It feels like a goddamn Lav Diaz movie. I'm pretty sure that we were down in that underground cinema for like five hours. <laughs> it, was, it was some sort of weird joke that was being played on us. Yeah, it, it definitely is an endurance test, for sure. The only thing Although that was... kept me in a little bit is the, the, the actual filming of this movie. The shot compositions, the staging of everything... It's just, it's immaculate. Every scene is immaculate. There's just not much going on in well, the scenes themselves. I don't think it's hard to make something immaculate when the camera doesn't move. Well, the, you know, they're kind of set up like classical paintings, these like tableau frames that you have going on, and some of the choreography like I thought was great, like the uh, when they're in the um, the bar or whatever, and you have all the horses parading outside, yeah, and sure. you know that was fantastic. And it, that's when that pops up, like almost halfway through the film, maybe. I might be remembering yeah. wrong. And it, things get interesting because you have this like clash of, you know, different time periods, and you're thinking, what the hell's going on here? But nothing really happens with it. And we're just back to making the same points that we were making before. Yeah, and it's just that that scene was. I liked how they, they brought the horse into the bar, and I thought it was funny, you know, like this. This guy's just riding his horse right into into this bar. It's just, but then, but then they show five straight minutes of them doing nothing and horses walking by in the background, and it's like, oh, I get it. There's a lot of fucking horses going on here. <laughs> I understand. We don't have to stay on this for five minutes. Yeah, we're staying on a lot of things. It's like you know, it's. I think of it. It's like the film equivalent of. Have you ever gone outside on a smoke break and there's a person standing right beside you, you're both smoking a cigarette, and you feel as though you should have a conversation, but you can't fucking think of anything, and you're just mm. standing there desperately trying to think of something to say to start a conversation, or that they would just fucking go away, but they don't, and it's just really awkward. It's like that for a hundred yeah. minutes, but you don't get do to smoke like- a cigarette while you're doing it, so it's even worse. I do like looking at the poster of this movie and and just looking at that guy, look at that stuffed pigeon. Just the look on his face. <laughs> See, I wanted more of that. That was the very first thing that happened in this movie, and it happened so fast. You know, it's just this guy wandering in and looking, looking at this 
this bird. Just yeah, I was just the. I think this was the biggest disappointment for me so far this year. I was really looking forward to this film, and I thought for sure that this would be like top five material. And man, I was, I was let looking, down. I was kind of looking forward. I was a little worried that it was it was not going to be for me, but the the amount of positive reviews that this was getting, I was like, yeah, this I'm I'm kind of interested in this. Everybody's saying that it's so funny. But I'm like, where's the comedy here? The the beginning was kind of funny, and I mean, it is it is beyond dry. And I mean, I (laughs) I I I enjoy Anderson's films. That was another reason because it's been it's been such a a long time that he's come out with something that you know I was really anticipating this one. Oh, it was disappointing. It was a bummer. It was a sad day. That sucks. Uh, Pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence is playing in select cities right now. So with this one, I would recommend if you're interested, see it at home. Just wait. Give yourself the opportunity to be able to pause it and take a break, get a snack. Get some snacks in there. Because it's it's a tough one to sit through in the theater. At least it was for me. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that was a little bit easier is because there's a woman... Laughing at everything, every every single thing, and, and I'm sitting there like, how is this funny? And, you know, there's there's certain there's certain things like I saw this. I'll transition this into an, another movie that I saw this week called Burying the X, and it's a it's a horror comedy. And there were certain things that happened in that movie where I didn't laugh, but I knew that it was supposed to be a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, so there there's certain things that'll happen in movies where. You know that it's a joke, and some people will find it funny and laugh. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not for you, you can understand. However, in in that movie, there were things that happened that I'm not even sure were supposed to be jokes. And she's just laughing her ass off. She was into it. I'm pretty sure. Big she, time. I'm pretty sure it was a ten out of ten for her. Which I'm glad. I'm happy she enjoyed herself. I wish yeah, I was her. Yeah. I wish I was her. Yeah, but definitely. I wasn't. I wasn't her, and that's disappointing. So I saw *Burying the X*. It's the latest film from Joe Dante, who I like. Joe Dante, *The Howling Gremlins*. How can you not? *Small like, Soldiers*. How can you not like Joe Dante? Well, this one was a disappointment for me. Uh-huh. I think some people are giving this one a pass just because it's Joe Dante, which uh, it always disappoints me when I see that happen. This movie is so by the numbers, so typical, so generic. Maybe it's just that I've seen so many movies like this, and a lot of the people that are seeing this movie haven't seen many movies like this, but there's there's tons of movies that are that revolve around a couple and one of them dies and then comes back as a zombie. Mm. My boyfriend's back, life after Beth, Klinger that uh warm bodies yes even. it seems like a a recent recent trend sort of sort of life after beth was last year my boyfriend's back started it all i think <laughs> there were there were a couple 80s 80s zombie movies that played with the idea but didn't really focus on it and uh i th- i don't know if there were any other zombie comedies that were kind of light yeah like this but my boyfriend's back definitely was <laughs> so basically this stars Anton Yelkin and Ashley Green and Alexandra Daddario 
and Oliver Cooper's in there too, and he's he plays Anton Yelkin's half brother, but he's like this kind of womanizer. He's like he's banging chicks every night, and I don't I don't get it. Like that didn't work for me at all because he's kind of this. But I was gonna slob. How's that play into what the movie is? Well. That's the big problem with this movie. Every one of the characters is basically a stereotype. They were just these sweeping generalizations of people, of archetypes. And it was just annoying because there was no depth to any of these characters. They were all so surface level and shallow. Like, the love interest, she... I think her name was Olivia in the movie. She was perfection she was basically anton yelkin's perfect match she had no flaws she was just a perfect human being whereas his girlfriend was this super eco conscious very controlling very jealous and she was kind of the antithesis of that and he is this kind of timid like he wanted to break up with her but he couldn't do it and then she died and came back and it just didn't work for me i didn't find any of it to be funny i I thought a lot of the jokes were kind of distasteful i have a full review for this up on the site by the way um and it just wasn't enjoyable i thought that it was the the thing about joe dante this is one of the most disappointing things about the movies that joe dante has this knack for world building like he creates these cool little communities and the way that he films small town life it it always makes me want to live wherever that is Mm. you know like in gremlins like the town that that they live in in gremlins for instance he he's really good at that and you see that in this movie it's a charming little town and it's during halloween so it's, it's very Halloween focused and everybody's watching horror movies and the problem with that is that all the horror movies are very on the nose like there's a scene where they go see Night of the Living Dead in a cemetery and it's like oh I get it because they're seeing Night of the Living Dead and she's a zombie <laughs> uh, so it's just it's just not good it's it's not a good movie at all mm. can't recommend it That's mm. it's playing on video on demand right now if you want to check it out though I watched a, uh, uh, a Charlie Chapman movie. Uh-oh. City Lights, 1931. Get some Chapman in there. Get that Chapman going. Chuck. Chuck's funny. I enjoy his movies. I'm not... I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't uh, a high on this one, because everyone else seems to be. I didn't enjoy it as much as, like, The Gold Rush or anything. It's It's good. It's a solid movie. It's funny. There's a couple bits that... You know they drag one just a bit too long. There's that, but there's this like boxing bit halfway through the movie that seems to just, you know, we kind of detour away from what's going on here, which is him being he's the tramp and he falls in love with this blind woman selling flowers and he ends up running into this eccentric billionaire. That, oh, I saw this movie. Did it? And he yeah. Whenever whenever the millionaire's drunk, they're the best of friends, and he takes care of him and he stays at his house and. He, takes him out to eat and they do everything together but when then when he's sober he has no idea who the hell this guy is and he just wants him to get the hell away from him. so 
he's just constantly going back and forth from you know having things in his life and then being homeless with nothing and then having things so he's constantly back and forth and he's trying to get this girl and for whatever reason just he needs to make some quick money so he does the boxing bit which makes sense he needs the money but it just goes on for entirely too long it doesn't really make sense to me i can see why it's funny but it's honestly it just it keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again where the the referee for whatever reason stands in between the two guys boxing and then he'll walk out he'll move out of the way once the guy gets pissed off which gives Chaplin time to punch him in the face and then the referee stands back in between them and it's like why and the, he gets yeah, punched it's like why the fuck is the referee standing in between these guys this doesn't make any sense and then they do that for like goofy. Four, four or five times i like the comedy that actually makes sense <laughs> and there's there's some good stuff in here but it's just and there was nothing that like wowed me you know it's like the gold rush there was there was set pieces and stuff that he did where it was like wow for the time period this is amazing what he's doing this is fantastic but there's nothing really going on here. But it's still a solid film. I still quite enjoyed myself. But it's just take that boxing bit out. And I'd be much higher on this one. But I'm enjoying these. I gotta say. I was I was a little worried going into them. Because I'm not a big uh, you know, silent comedy guy. But I'm on board with these. I actually find them to be quite humorous. Hmm. There you go. City Lights. Check that out. Check it. It's on Hulu Plus, and it's City Lights. Okay? Get it right. Cool. Get it right, Adam. What did I say? You said City of Lights, which is completely wrong. It makes you look City like... City of Lights? Yeah, it makes you look like an asshole. So, I must have been reading something else when I was saying that. I saw Dope. Dope. Again, I have a full review for this on the site. Uh, so, basically, it's about this these three nerdy kids that live in Inglewood and they love they're obsessed with 90s hip-hop culture not just the music but the the style everything about it yeah they love super nintendo and vhs tapes and parachute pants and the kid and play haircuts do they do the kid and play kickstep um may i'm trying to think there's like kind of a in the credits there's a little bit of a dance number in the credits Oh, they probably and do it there. And he does a lot of different dances in that, I, but I can't remember. It's it's all done to the Humpty Hump. One of the things that I loved about this movie that I'm sure everybody talks about is the soundtrack. Holy crap, is this soundtrack amazing. Now, I'm a huge old school hip hop nerd as well. I know you are too. Mm-hmm. Well, we got all and this. And this, this is quite a soundtrack. I mean, it's it's got it's got every everybody. Everybody on it. Everybody? Let me pull it up and I'll let me pull it up and I'll I'll give you some tracks. But one one of the things uh, that I thought was crazy is there's a scene that plays a corn song, that freak on a leash by corn, mm-hmm. and it works. Really? It works. It is perfect use of that song, and it's just I don't know why, but it, it got me amped. That's the thing about this movie is that music is playing almost constantly. I mean, there is so, so much music in this movie. It's insane. We got Diggable Planets. Yeah. Nas. Tribe Called Quest. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to think. Public Enemy. Digital Underground. Uh, 
There's some Bust Rhymes in there. Oh, what? Some leaders of the new school going on? No, no, no. Uh. It's later. It's, it's, um, what's the Wuha? Oh, okay. Gotcha. That one. Uh, there's some Onyx in there. They play Slam at one point. Yeah. It's to. just a, it's a fantastic soundtrack. It's great. <laughs> Naughty by nature. So, what, what one you're of the, saying is you went to a movie theater and listened to some good music. Yeah. So, the movie itself. Also great. Really funny. It so basically it's it feels sort of like a Tarantino movie actually. And I was thinking about it cuz there's there's multiple plot lines that start happening at once. There's there's several things. It gets it gets really complex. It starts off really simple. It's about this this geeky kid Malcolm, he ends up with a backpack full of drugs. Mm. And him and his two friends need to decide what are we going to do with these drugs? Well, you gotta do something. And drugs. craziness. They just they eventually decide that they're gonna try to sell the drugs, and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. And it it f- feels very uh, Tarantino esque to me for some reason. It feels like kind of like Pulp Fiction, where there's uh, characters that are connected in ways that you didn't expect, and then like, oh, it turns out that this is the son of this guy who is the. Oh, that's- the guy that's going to be sponsoring Malcolm to get into Harvard. And oh my goodness! So it's it's more complex than what it what it seems at the beginning, which is a good thing. Um, that that complexity worked for me, right. and it's hilarious. It's a hilarious movie, way funnier than I expected as well. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I I highly recommend it. I'm. Not to say a whole lot about it because I expect that you'll be seeing it okay. at some point yeah. soon, hopefully. hopefully. So, hopefully. I was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit more in depth about you know, plot specifics and stuff after you see it. Gotcha. But I will say, check it out. There's some things that I think that you probably won't like about it. Um, they do some split screen stuff. It's very stylish, and I'm not sure if all of that's going to work for you. I don't know, though. We'll see. We'll see. I recommend it. Somehow it got a nationwide release, so it's playing everywhere right now. In I know, which is a pleasant surprise. Oh, it's great, yeah. And it's got a great message, too. You know, it's it's uh, it's funny, so it's got a good message. So there's drugs that you found. <laughs> there's more to it than that when you see it. Nah, that, I think that's all. Wait, I got one more here for you. It's an Italian crime movie from 1976 called Meet Him and Die. Hmm. So this has uh, Ray Lovelock, who was one of the cops from uh, "Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man." It's kind of got, kind of got the same type of feel to it. This is by Franco Prosperi, and this movie's interesting. Well, a, a lot of these crime movies from the '70s that I'm watching are interesting in the sense that you can't really tell who the hell's a cop and who's a criminal. You have no idea. They're both awful, and they both just kill people. And just do whatever the hell they want and never get in trouble. And so that makes it kind of interesting. But uh, Ray Lovelock is, uh, number one, he's a terrible, he plays a terrible uh, burglar who immediately gets caught trying to rob a jewelry store or a bank. I can't remember what the hell it was. But he gets arrested immediately and immediately goes to jail. And then he kind of gets caught up with this this, uh, drug trafficking ring while in jail. And then they break out. And then they just they kind of go on on a on a tear 
and just started taking people out and just picking up turf left and right. And it's not as good as the other films that I've seen that are like this, these Italian crime films. Um, it's solid enough. It's like, like a light recommend. There's some good chase sequences. There's a good car chase uh, in it. And some of the stunts that they're doing is just, I can't believe that they did it. Once again, they seem to be racing through uh, traffic and no one knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> no one knows that they're filming a movie. So you see people like almost getting hit. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, was that a stunt man acting like he's crossing the street? Or was that just a real person trying to get to work that day and almost gets hit twice by a car? And there's one where Lovelock is like, he's outside of the, you know, he's hanging out of the window and he's shooting at the car that's chasing him. And the, the car that's being driven is like swerving back and forth. And they come, it looks like it's like half an inch, quarter of an inch close to it like a wall where he, it looks like he's just going to smash Lovelock straight into the wall and just smash him between the car and the wall. and the, But he swerves away like right at the last second. And you're just like, how the fuck are you doing this? How is this possible? So there's some great action sequences like that. There's some good fight sequences. You got that tomato soup blood going on, you know, where it just it doesn't look anything Quite like red. Yeah, it doesn't look like blood at all. Uh, which adds a bit of humor to it, um, and it's violent. It's just it's just downright violent. The only the thing that's unfortunate about this movie is towards the end they inject this like this love angle where he falls in love with one of the guys like secretaries, you know, like one of the boss's secretaries, and then there's a very bizarre sex sequence where they, I guess they didn't know how to kiss back then. Because their kiss is just really fucking weird. <laughs> like he has like his mouth like completely open and like his lips his lips ex- extended like almost like a chimpanzee or something. It's very bizarre, uh, and it it kind of ruins the film because then she shows up and then it gets kind of predictable from there what's going to happen and who's going to double cross who. And it all kind of comes to an unsatisfying end, probably much like the sex sequence. And it's still like a light recommend. It's not, if you're going to check out one of these films, I would definitely say live like a cop, die like a man. It's like near the top. And that's where you should start. Don't start with meet him and die. Save that one down the road if you're into these. Very cool. And how did you, was this on Fandor also? This is on Fandor. Okay, check it out on Fandor. Uh, the only other one I'll mention is Inside Out, the new Pixar movie directed by Pete Docter, came out this weekend. This is, uh, it's good. I haven't been 100% on board with Pixar's movies for the last few years. Like, I thought Brave was okay. I thought Monsters University was alright. This was better than those. I still think that I prefer Up, and Wally, and I'm probably forgetting some other ones. Toy Story Three, in there, but this one, it's it's really interesting. I had no desire to see this whatsoever. Judging from the trailers, it just didn't look like something that was gonna interest me at all. It looked a little too goofy, maybe. To me, it looked, I just judging from the trailers, it looked like something that was perfect for a short film. Right. Yeah. 
And I actually thought that several times while watching this. Like, this probably would work better as a short film where you see inside this girl's mind and how it works. The the interesting thing was how they visualized all these different things inside of her mind. And they don't just go into her mind either. They go into her, her dad's mind and her mom's mind. And, this, and basically the film is about uh, this this family they're moving from minnesota to san francisco and the 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 girl she's 11 i think and she's just trying to deal with this transition in her life and things are not going very good for her at the beginning like the moving van didn't bring any of their stuff and she's new in school and she doesn't have any friends and her, her friends back home are making new friends and kind of... So she's, you know, feeling empty. She's feeling sad. And the way that this movie visualizes that and shows that uh, was just... It's so genius how they did it. It was, it was so well done. Uh, and you, and you kind of have to see it to really understand how, how they did it. But... It just, it works. It, it all works so, so well. And not just the emotions, because you have, you know, Amy Poehler is Joy, and basically she's like Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, we're dealing with Leslie Nope here. And Sadness is, uh, I, can't, I always forget her name, um, Phyllis Smith from The Office. She was probably the best character in the movie. She was hilarious. And, of course, you have Louis Black as Anger. And all of those were fine, but it was the other things that they kind of, uh, how they dealt with memories and the long-term memory and short-term memory and core memories and bits of her personality and things like that and how all of that worked inside of this world in her mind. Yeah. Uh, It was just, it was brilliant. I I thought it was fantastic. Uh, The movie itself got a little bit tedious for me. It was a little bit long. Uh, at, at one point, two of the characters get separated from the rest of of the the other emotions, and a lot of the movie is about them trying to get back to them, and it just seems like they get setback after setback, and they end up in the same place over and over, and like they'll get they'll move a little bit, and then they'll end up back in the same place, and to me, it just got a little bit tedious, hmm. and. Um, hmm. Not not much of a knock against it yeah. for that. I still I still had fun with the movie overall, and I think it was really well made. The animation looks really good. They they all kind of had this. Um, it almost looked fuzzy, like they they almost looked plush. Okay. The way, right. But but it wasn't it wasn't that. If you look closely, you can see that the it kind of moved. Like they were. It it's really hard to explain unless you actually see it on the big screen. But the way that the the emotions looked was uh, was interesting. It looked they looked cooler than what I saw in the trailer. Oh, okay, all right. So I, I do recommend Inside Out. I think that it is. I'm just glad to see Pixar doing new things. Um, I like it when they do new things rather than sequels. So yeah, I'm all for that. And I think that Inside Out. Uh, this could be a franchise maker for them. They could easily, uh, I mean, very easily make sequels to this. Well, yeah. So. You could just do, 
Yeah, I mean, hell, you can already have just set up different points of your life. Yeah. The emotions that you go through. And it, at the, well, I was just going to give away the... (laughs) Give it away! Do it! Just get into Uh, it. Well, I'll just say that she turns 12 by the end of the movie, so she's about to hit puberty, so that that could be a whole new thing. So they add another emotion in there? Probably make it... No, they don't, but they might... I mean, I could see that. That would probably take it down a little bit of a more adult path, but yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, it's it's funny. It made me laugh. Uh, a lot of people are talking about how emotional this this movie made them. Like it made them cry, and it it didn't it didn't have that effect on me though. Uh, well, I think and, it only has that effect on people that are human. Well, Pixar movies have a knack for making me feel choked up. I mean, up up did it within the first five minutes of that movie i was you know tears running down my face in that movie and wally did the same thing towards the end but this one uh it just it didn't do it for me Mm. on on an emotional level but i mean that's not to say it's not it's not good or anything okay so inside out uh recommend it you know i always would err on the side of caution when it comes to going to see kids movies make sure you pick your showtime so that there's going to be not a lot of kids. There was uh, several annoying people in our screening. So fantastic! That's what. Yeah, there's like these probably three or four kids that were right down the row from us, and I, the, the the parent was trying to keep them under control, but he just couldn't do it. Like he was trying to shush them and keep them quiet, but he just couldn't. He couldn't keep control, mm. and they were really annoying. But whatever. <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let's talk about some predictions. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't do any... We didn't record last week, so no predictions to go over. Next week, we have Ted 2. What are you thinking on this one? Ted 2. Ted 2, 58. 58? Okay. I will say 56 on that one. Okay. All right. Are you into the Ted 2? Do you want to see the Ted 2? I'll wait and see it. I'm not going to rush out and see some Ted 2, but I'll catch it at some point. I don't know what to think on that one. One of the trailers was bad, and one of them was good, so I have no idea. The other one coming out in wide release is Max. What's that? It's the one about the dog that has PTSD. Oh, I have not heard of that at all. But with that being said, I'll say 84. 84? Clearly you have not seen the trailer for this. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to say 40, 46 on that one. I was just thinking a dog with PTSD, people are going to be generally nice about But I guess I'm wrong. It does not look good. I'm not interested in it at all. It, it looks like, it just looks l- sappy. Um, it, it looks, well, it looks now, like it's now I just like I just looked it up and I see what <laughs> I see what it is yeah and I see who the director is mm-hmm wow okay well I lost that one where <laughs> did I I think you did yeah probably there's there's just no way there's no way that that movie's gonna get uh you know. yeah yeah I mean it's the guy did, uh, or he, never mind. 
He did safe. That's right. Yeah. Safe. I didn't like that one. Uh, limited release next week. We have Big Game. That's the Samuel L. Jackson one. Mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty pretty interested in that. It's by the director of Rare Exports. Oh, okay. It's about Samuel L. Jackson and a Cub Scout. Yes, yes. In the woods, uh-huh. surviving in the woods with people hunting them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love the idea. Air Force One crashes... Samuel Jackson is the president. He survives, and a Boy Scout what helps him what? get revenge. And yeah, I mean it's it sounds awesome. Can't wait to see that one. Uh, a little chaos into the grizzly maze. That's another survival one actually that looks really bad. Well, that's a, with, t- uh, that's a terrible name for a movie. Into the grizzly maze. It, th- that was a different title for a while i can't remember what the original title was but it was better than that i'm just really hoping that it's about a guy that made a, a maze in the woods with grizzly bears and i don't think it is and people wake up in the middle of the maze and have to get out and there's grizzly bears everywhere i don't think it is. like saw almost like saw but with a grizzly maze i would i would see that movie this movie i'm not so sure about uh the little death it's a uh it's a like a sex comedy. Oh yeah, and three and a half minutes and felt. Okay, all right. Next next week on VOD, we have what we got. A lot of those that I just mentioned actually. Okay, cool. Cre- uh, Creep is coming out on Tuesday. That's the one with Jay Duplass. Okay, all right. Or no, not Jay. Which, Mark. Which which Duplass is it? Mark Duplass. Okay. I want to see that. It looks uh, very, very interesting. We have What Happened, Miss Simone. That's premiering on Netflix. We have The Little Death, Big Game, Seven Minutes, and Bound to Vengeance. Mm. I, I saw Bound to Vengeance, and I, I will say go ahead and skip that one. Okay. Duly but noted. Big Game I'm interested in. The Little Death doesn't look very good, and Seven Minutes uh, will probably be reporting back on that one. Okay. All right. Next week on Blu-ray, we have not a whole lot. Not a whole lot going on on the Blu-ray front. Um, Survivor, which is that Pierce Brosnan and Mila Jovovich one that looks really bad. Timbuktu. Uh, let's see. Horsehead, which is going to be out on the newly revamped Artsploitation label. Okay. I saw a couple, I saw a couple things. They're, they put out Der Samurai. In the U.S. Oh, cool. So, they're uh, they're doing some interesting things. Uh, I, I started watching Horsehead. I didn't finish it yet, and I'm not sure that I will. It's really, really weird. It's very, very out there. It's about a person with a horse head. Yes. I, I, might, yes. I might finish it. I, I was thinking about writing a review for that one. Uh, Pound of Flesh, which is a Van Damme movie. Let's see. Not a whole lot. There's like nothing coming out. There's uh, Dog Soldiers is getting uh, released on Scream Factory. So that's awesome. The Neil Marshall movie. Yeah. I liked that one a lot, actually. And I'm not even a big werewolf guy. That's probably one of my favorite werewolf movies, actually. And that's pretty much it. The Forger with John Travolta. Okay. (laughs) Ping Pong. Ping Pong, the animation. What? I don't understand. Made, I don't understand. Do you remember that? Do you remember that movie Ping Pong, the Japanese movie? Yeah. 
they made a an animated version. Oh, okay. I would just watch and the original. I don't know if the art style is the same as the cover of the Blu-ray, but it looks awesome. Like it looks really cool. So I might have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Anything on Criterion? We have two Criterions coming out Tuesday. Number one, we have a movie I've never heard of from 1959 called The Bridge from Bernhard Vicky. This is the, face, the first major anti-war film to come out of Germany after World War II. It was uh, nominated for an Oscar. So I'm interested in that one. Never even heard of it. And then another one we have heard of, and that's 1991's The Fisher King from Terry Gilliam, which I think is about time for a rewatch on that bad boy. Been, I've never seen that. It's been, so. a, it's been a while since I've seen that one. So much so that I barely remember anything about it, except that Robin Williams is homeless, I think. Yeah, he's a, he plays a homeless man. Jeff Bridges is a shock jock radio host. Hmm. Yeah, I never saw this one. This is one that just, I don't know, Well, slipped by me. Get it. Now you can do it. It's right there. Okay. It's on Blu-ray. Get that shit. Sure, Watch it. Sure thing. Will do. Will do. Good. All right, well, I think that that's going to wrap it up for the week. Be sure to send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. Please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash FilmPulse and consider subscribing for as little as $1 a month. You'll be helping out the show and the site and all of that great stuff. We appreciate that so much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.